Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Beyond Bitcoin Bonus Show. Yo, we've got a special guest today, but I want to remind you, strong hand, long-term thinking Bitcoin is next Bitcoin, personal responsibility is a new counterculture conviction. We're gonna talk about that a lot today since it's beyond Bitcoin. We'll talk about some Bitcoin too. All right, so everybody knows that I travel all around the world. I meet people from all over the place. You know, someone watches my show in Asia and they say, hey, come visit me in Asia. Or somebody in Europe, they say, come visit me in Europe. And you know, rarely do I get to, a lot of people want me to visit and everything. But it just so happens back in 2018, I was in Norway. And there are quite a few people in Norway who know me and were like, come visit. So I visited a meetup in Bergen and then I was in Oslo for like three days, I think. I think I was only in Oslo for three, it was very short. Oslo is more expensive than Bergen, I, I can tell you that. And uh, so I was only there for a little bit of time. And I met up with Morton here, who's, who's watched the show for quite some time, and some other dudes that were, were with him, and it was a pleasure to hang out with him. And he told me a very interesting story, and I have referred to his story many times, but you guys don't know who I'm talking about. I've mentioned the guy from Norway who moved to Malaysia because, well, he couldn't take Norway anymore for certain reasons. So, Morton, welcome to the show. I think I've given you an appropriate uh, introduction. And so the world is wondering why you lived in this oil-wealthy socialist paradise in the North, and why you chose to move to a Muslim country in Asia. The floor is yours. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's a Muslim country. Um, it's uh, quite different from Norway in, in most respects, you can say, <laughs> to say the least. Um, what I thought is that uh, uh, Norway doesn't necessarily fit with, uh, with my ideal society, even if it uh, makes a lot of money and everybody has heard of it, uh, probably, <laughs> or at least Norwegians think so. Uh, so I think for me it's um, the degree of feminism that is very strong in Norway um, and also I felt that direction towards socialism uh, so Norway is not a socialist country at all but uh, what I see and read and hear from people and also looking at the polls it goes in a certain direction that I didn't really appreciate um, also, it's a bit of the conformity that I think that Norway is a very closed society where everybody is supposed to, to think the same. So if you stand out, if you say something different, then it's not necessarily well received. Um, and then again, it's the economical future of Norway. Um, Norway is, of course, very, very rich from the oil. But... Uh, Maybe, maybe not many people even know it, even in Norway, that the, uh, only the pensions from, uh, for the state uh, people that are employed by the state, it, it overshoots the whole, uh, the whole uh, oil fund. So I saw a direction that I didn't really like. Now, you say the country is not socialist. That there are a lot of socialist types, left-leaning people in the United States who love to say that Sweden and Norway are socialist and the United States should go in that direction, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What I do know is that it's a high tax country, okay? 
let's call it that, high tax, and you are a Bitcoin guy. Now, I, I, I guess it's a two-part question. What got you into Bitcoin? And tell the world about uh, how Norway treats Bitcoin. Yeah, like uh, you have uh, the wealth tax, which will uh, take away actually 0.85% of your whole wealth. So especially if you're really rich, you will, you will take a punch from that. And that, uh, that goes to all assets. So it's money you have in the bank, uh, stocks, uh, property, and also Bitcoin. So in that respect, Norway might not be the ideal country to, to treat Bitcoin that well, because uh, let's say Bitcoin uh, shoots up at the 31st of uh, December, then you're supposed to, to pay a big tax out of that. Uh, next day, it could possibly crash. Like, it, I mean, I don't think it would, but if it does, then you have paid tax on something that you didn't even get, even get anything back from. Now, so, something important. Once you moved away from Norway, were you no longer under their tax regulations? Because here in the United States, if we move away, we are, we're a tax slave to the United States forever. We, we just... We just can't give up our citizenship. They they don't uh, they don't let go of you at all. Did you did you give up your Norwegian citizenship, or do you still have to pay Norwegian taxes? What's what's the story with that? Yeah, you will still have to pay Norwegian taxes if you move out, and that actually goes for a long time. Uh, it goes for three years minimum. Uh, but you have the tax agreements, and between some countries, the tax agreements are are very favorable. So between Norway and Malaysia, those tax agreements are, are very favorable. But still, uh, the wealth tax would be something that uh, you have to expect to pay for, oh, man. for several years. So I guess it's not that different from the US in, in some respects. Maybe the US is a bit different because then if you are a US citizen, you, are, uh, you have to pay tax to US forever. Yes. But in Norway, it's, it stops at some point. Um, but so so, so you, you have to pay this wealth tax still. You have to pay the wealth tax to, to Norway. At this, even, even, on the, uh, even though you live in Malaysia, they still expect you to pay. Yes, so, so wealth tax is still, uh, is still valid. Huh. Uh, okay. it's, still, it's not just to move <laughs> because they, they are made sure that uh, it's not that easy. All right, now, uh, I want to get, go into one thing about the, the Bitcoin. You were politically interested. You had some interest in politics back in your day, too. Uh, you were a member of a political party. Is that what got you into Bitcoin? I, I forgot now. What was, was that the connection? So talk, talk uh, first of all, pound that like button, people, because, hey, you're getting, uh, you're getting some beyond Bitcoin uh, Norway truth here. But, uh, yeah, to discuss uh, the, the politics and, uh, and Bitcoin. Man. Yeah. Like uh, Norway is uh, <laughs> it's very high taxing uh, everybody. And uh, that's one of the main reasons why I was involved in that party. So this party is for just for free individualism. And uh, the state is there for serving you, uh, not the opposite. So uh, I was not that happy about seeing Norway go in the other direction. Uh, other than that, I, I don't really have that a lot of facts 
uh, about how Norway treats Bitcoin because it's it's even in the process. <laughs> As you have mentioned before, like uh, dividends is a tax or not. I mean, everything is, is still in, in chaos. So yeah, they, I don't know. I don't know if Norway treats Bitcoin much worse than than all the countries, mm-hmm. but but in general, to have this wealth tax is uh, and Norway is one of maybe ten countries in the world that has this, uh, and it it's uh, so, it, it, it pushes out the rich uh, people. But it pushes out the most productive people. Yeah, they move. They move away. They don't want to pay the wealth tax. They go to some other country. So what are so, so you move to Malaysia? What are some more popular destinations for people uh, that are fleeing taxes to, to go to uh, that are Norwegian? I think Malaysia is a very good country because it doesn't have any uh, uh, capital gains tax. So in that respect, it's, it's better even than the US, I think. Um, of course. <laughs> so Malaysia is, is pretty good when it comes to taxes. It's, it's actually very good. But you, but uh, not but, Singapore, of course, uh, also would be. Uh, but but the question is, like, not many Norwegians move to Malaysia. Okay, so where do they move most of the time? To Spain, is it? I, I mean, I saw a lot of Norwegians when I was in Spain. I know that. Um, what's a popular destination for Nor- Norwegians to move to? Yeah, I think uh, Norwegians are so sure about their own country that they don't actually move a lot. And if, if they move, then it's because of uh, that they get um, an expatriate, uh, expatriate to some country, not not moving for for a fixed uh, forever kind of. So it's it's very rare that people do that to any country. But uh, I guess U.S. is more typical country to move to. But it doesn't really happen that often. Like Nor- Norway, Norwegians are usually very proud of their own country. They think that it's the best, and the UN tells them every year that Norway is the best country to live in, and that seems to stick. Uh, so my my objections towards uh, Norway, it, it's not many Norwegians that share them. Uh, I'll say, I mean, it, it is a beautiful country. It's a it's a peaceful country, but uh, there, as you said, uh, it's kind of becoming a little bit feminized there. You, 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 you refer to that. It seems like the whole world is becoming uh, feminized. And we, we discussed this a little bit uh, over, over Twitter some. Uh, what is your take on the uh, lack of masculinity in, in this world right now? And uh, people, it seems like a lot of people just bow down to what their government says to do. Yeah, that's a pretty difficult question. But I can say that Norway is in the lead when it comes to feminism. So <laughs> if you think U.S. is bad, then, then come to Norway and see how it is there. Really? Okay. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, give, give us an example, I guess, of something that's uh, kind of, uh, that'll blow people's minds, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, for example, if you get to go to a high prestige study, you will get the bonus points for being a woman, which I think is probably true in the US as well. Uh, but also professorates to get a professor you get bonus points for, for being a woman. And uh, what we see in Norway is that, actually there was a, a survey, uh, which is not from the alternative media or anything, it's from the state showing who contributes most to the country. 
And from that one, we can read that Norwegian men, they contribute with plus, uh, plus $10,000 per year, approximately, while females contribute with minus $5,000. <laughs> so I don't have many more specific examples to give you than, than the bonus points you get for university or the professorates, but also the general media, the way they, they, they say things. They, 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 like if, if a female gets a leader, they will, they will show it to you. They will really be sure to, to say that this is really awesome, that, that the female is a leader. And um, also, we, our government is, is ruled by, by three women. I will not say that's because of anything, <laughs> but we, we have a very high degree of women in, in high positions in Norway, high political positions. And it, and it, it makes you wonder. Uh, you have a state, is there a state-run media there, a state-run channel? Yes, exactly. I wanted to get into that point. Uh, it's um, NRK. Uh, I just checked the facts. It's about uh, 3,500 uh, 3, full-time employees mm -hmm. that works in this channel. It's, it's a purely state-owned broadcasting channel. And that's a lot of money that needs to be paid to those guys. <laughs> so that's forced upon you to pay for their broadcasting. Uh, and uh, I'm not really happy about their broad broadcasting. So it was actually a problem for me to, to pay that much. It, it's about like $300 uh, dollars per, per year, actually. But each and every one with a television set had to pay, so. Oh my God. So yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. Like in order for you to get TV, you have to pay a TV tax, don't you? In order for yeah. you to, yeah. They, yeah. They, you had to, they changed the rules just recently, but until like for the last 20 years, you had to, to pay for having a TV because that proved that you had the <laughs> right to get NRK. And that is very outdated, obviously. <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, the thing is, you, I mean, it's horrible. You have to pay $300 a year to support NRK. What you didn't exactly say is, what type of shows does NRK promote? Does I mean I, I'm sure it must encourage the that that feminist uh, uh, slant I, I would assume because if if the country is becoming more and more feminized, it must be because they're seeing stuff on well they're they're seeing examples of it somewhere, and I would assume state-run TV might be uh, putting it in people's face. Am I correct about that? Yes, you are correct about that. And also, uh, like sometimes NRK has very useful shows that I love to see also. But there is this uh, actually feministic tune to it all. And I haven't seen any NRK show anytime that really promotes capitalism and shows the, the benefits of capitalism. Um, and not only NRK, uh, the state always also gives a lot of, um, of support to media channels that are approved by the state. And this is even worse in my head because the small media outlets that are not kind of good enough to be approved, they, they will not get this money. But the ones that are approved get it. 
So it means that the, the small like alternative media that maybe even promotes capitalism, <laughs> they they have to get self-served by advertisements, while the others don't. So what what what, what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. So, so the others are state funded. The uh, yeah. It, and, and, okay. So in 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 Malaysia, let's let's go to Malaysia now here. Is there, is there more innovation going on there? Is there more freedom of business and more creativity? I, I mean, what have you, how's, how's it been there the last year or two or however long you've been there? Yeah, I've been here one and a half years, uh, a little bit more than that. And um, my, my main purpose was to go to a country with lower taxes because I think uh, tax, taxation is theft. And the, the less taxes, they have the more innovation you will get. And I am not a Malaysian, so I'm not the perfect one to tell you like how is innovation. And I haven't, um, I haven't read that many like insight informations about Malaysia to be the best one to, to say. But in my head, it's obvious. If you have less taxes, if you have no capital gains tax, come on, like what does that do with innovation? And I can say also that I see buildings are being uh, made all around uh, Malaysia. So that's, so I only have the visual impression to, to give you an answer to that. Yeah, you're in Kuala Lumpur, right? That's where you're at? Yes, yes. And they've got a, tremendous buildings there. Uh, and it, it, is, it is amazing. I mean, I've never been there. And I did, ca I call it a Muslim country because I, I believe that's in its official title, but it, there's no strict Muslim rule. I mean, there's a, when you say Muslim country, there's a big range. I mean, it could be like yes. Iran or Pakistan, or it can be like uh, where you are or some former Russian Republic, Soviet Republic, uh, that the people might be Muslim, but uh, they're really, <laughs> it, it, I mean, there might be mosques and stuff around, but it's not like they practice Sharia law or something. Yeah, exactly. There is a big difference between Muslim countries. You're completely right. In uh, Malaysia, you have some uh, cities that I think are really, really, you can say, uh, fundamental Muslims um, or Muslim cities. But in Kuala Lumpur, it's, it's less. So I think the world, uh, the average in Malaysia is 60% uh, Muslims, but in Kuala Lumpur, it's 50%. And also in, in Kuala Lumpur, you don't see this uh, Muslim, uh, like uh, there is no Sharia law that you actually see. Um, for example, the law against uh, drinking alcohol, um, it's uh, only valid for, for Muslims. So <laughs> it, it's not valid for me. And, and that goes through the whole, actually, in, in all the regulations, as far as I'm concerned, at least almost. Then. The strict regulations, they go only for Muslims. So it, it doesn't and, really... Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and how would they even enforce that on certain people, I wonder? I mean, it's not like, the does the bar ask you, are you Muslim? I mean, how does that work? I'm not really sure. But what I see here in Kuala Lumpur is that it's like any other business center. It's you have people from all out over the world that uh, kind of pushes the city to to be more you can say mainstream in the good sense. 
Western, Western. And, and that was, that's another one of my questions. Western. Do, do you think because of Singapore's proximity that Kuala, I pronounce it weird, Kuala Lumpur tries to emulate Singapore. It's, it's trying to compete with Singapore on a certain level, isn't it? Yeah, what I see at work is that um, I work with a lot of engineers from Singapore all the time. And what it was actually a, a member of my previous party that said that uh, it will affect, like if your neighbor country is really, really successful, it will affect your own country. And I think that, that that's happening. Well, and so let's take that to another level. Uh, Sweden is a lot like Norway, isn't it? <laughs> Sweden is very similar to Norway, exactly. except for the except for the oil and gas benefits. Okay, so I, I want to go. Uh, in Sweden, they took a different approach to the to the virus. They just let uh, they didn't they weren't as strict with people. From how strict had they been in Malaysia, and how strict were they in Norway? In Malaysia, they were very strict unfortunately. So I have been actually a prisoner in my apartment for the last two months. Um, it's a nice apartment. It's a four-star apartment, but still I'm a prisoner. I can't run outside until actually just a couple of days ago. So they came late into doing all these uh, restrictions, but um, yeah, you can say, unfortunately, they, they really went uh, hardcore on it. Right, so Norway in that respect would be actually better because they at least they gave some loopholes to let's say people working offshore they can come in and out even if they live in another country uh, some other examples like that and actually you can walk outside like you have the right to walk outside here actually we didn't have the right so I was a bit frightened just a couple of weeks ago because somebody said that if you don't have a passport and you're, you're, you're a foreign employee, then they can put you into some immigration central that is worse than a prison. Oh, oh my God. Hey, you did so, mention but, that you've got a, a four-star apartment, all right? In, in Oslo, how much more money would that apartment cost than it does uh, for you there? Twice. Twice as much. Twice as much. Oslo... Cost of living is, I guess it's basically twice as much in Oslo than in uh, Kuala Lumpur. It's very, uh, very interesting. As I said, Oslo is, is very, very expensive uh, place from, from what I recall. And uh, I was going to ask you, the, <laughs> have you been to Bergen before? I don't know if we talked about that. Uh, I haven't been there for a long time. Okay, okay, okay. So it's just not a, it's not a thing for the Oslo people to go visit Bergen. It's just not, not necessary. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it is like if you want to see Norway, there, there are many places in Norway that I haven't really went to because I'm from Norway anyway, so I didn't really explore Norway. But Bergen is uh, one of the nicest cities. So if you would take a, a trip within Norway, then, then Bergen would absolutely be, that, that would be one of the main uh, targets. Now, now, you are an observer of America, and uh, I think you're, you, you're happy to see that some Americans are standing up to this lockdown. What is your take, you know, growing up in, in Norway, um, there actually was a, a few years ago, unfortunately, there was a, a gun uh, massacre of some, some sort, wasn't it? In, was that in Norway? Uh, and yeah. uh, you don't have, there's no second amendment in Norway, okay? 
Uh, I, I, Malaysia too, I don't think you can be walking around with a gun either. They, I mean, if they can lock you up in your darn house for a week, obviously the people don't have guns there. So what is your take on the Second Amendment and guns and what that brings uh, for freedom to people? Yeah, I think after watching what we have all watched the last two months, I think Second Amendment is much more appealing to me than it was before. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, uh, and uh, what, what is the rule in, in Norway in terms of uh, owning a, a, a firearm? What, what is, uh, can, it, can, can you own a gun there? Is that even possible? You cannot own a normal gun that is for self-defense, but you could until pretty recently, like 10 years ago, you could uh, have your, your gun at home as part of the militia. Norway had a very big <laughs> militia that, yeah. that were supposed to uh, defend their homes in, in the case of a crisis. So there you can actually have a pretty badass gun. But, but it's not meant for self-defense. It, it's meant for in case the government tells you to go out, then you can do it. <laughs> but, but, they, so, but they got rid of the militia rule. They got rid of that, though, you said. Yes, they, so now, now people can't have uh, guns at home. Uh, only if you hunt deers, you, you have the right to have guns. So Norway is actually not the worst country when it comes to comes to that, but it, it's getting worse. So it's it's a slope I talked about. It's a direction of the country that I, I'm not really big fan of. What, what's what's the deal in Malaysia with uh, with weapons? I'm not sure, but uh, I think you cannot own your own gun. You know. So when when you're walking around the streets of before all this happened, okay? I guess it's a pretty big international city. So there are other, you're a tall guy. I mean, you, you should stick out above the crowd there. But do you, do people come up to you and stuff? Uh, not that often, but it happens to, to a friend of mine from Poland, which is even blonder than I am. <laughs> he, he's much blonder. He, he, gets, uh, he gets asked to get uh, pictures of him quite often, but he's really, really blunt. So he really, really sticks out. Yeah. Okay, okay. But there are, there are international businessmen there, I would assume, uh, from all over the world. Uh, other, uh, other, other white guys on the street, I would, I would think there's a few at least. Uh, although yeah. when, when I was in Singapore, there weren't that, I mean, I remember when I was in Singapore, people would look at me, um, uh, and I'm not blonde, but I'm white, so. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting, uh, it's an interesting, I, I'm trying to get the, because it is a culture, it's a completely different culture. You've, you've gone from this blonde hair land to this uh, Asian land. It, it's, it, it's, Malaysia is so much, I mean, so much different looking uh, than, than uh, Norway. And the Tep, I mean, just the whole, the whole, it's near the equator. I mean, how was that, getting used to being near the equator and being hot as anything? Yeah, it, it's quite hot. And uh, I think that uh, the reason why... I, people don't recognize me that much as they would have in other places of Malaysia is because Kuala Lumpur is a business center. So they're quite used to British, uh, Australians, people from, from other places. So again, Kuala Lumpur is like, I haven't really explored Malaysia that much in general. But I'm sure I would get a lot of attention if I if I went to the <laughs> yeah a small town or something out, out, like outskirts yeah. yeah 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 that this is this is a good point uh, we we talked about the the large uh, oil reserves in Norway and 
how it funds uh, certain people's pensions and whatnot. Uh, you've probably noticed there's uh, been a crisis uh, with the oil price. <laughs> Do, is this, are, are Norwegians panicking? Uh, is, uh, what's this mean, what we've just gone through with the oil for, for Norway? I mean, it's, it seems like they, it was something that was kind of backing them up all along, and now maybe it's not as secure as they thought it was. Yeah, uh, the Norwegian kroner is very closely related to the oil price. It always has been. Uh, but actually, even before this uh, coronavirus and also before the oil drop, actually those two happened pretty much at the same time. Uh, then Norwegian kroner already went down quite a bit. But uh, the latest shocks, uh, they, have, they have taken a punch on the on Norwegian kroner. So uh, two years ago, maximum, maximum two years ago, the, the USD was worth... Uh, Eight kroner, and now it's worth ten or more. There you go. I I am looking at the chart, and I do I do see quite a drop here. Starting, uh, yeah, there it is, March twelfth. Yeah, that that wasn't very good, but it, it had dropped. Uh, <laughs> it, it it had started to drop earlier, but whoa, yeah, that's not good. Uh, so there you go. People always I talk about second tier currencies, and I guess. The Norwegian krona would be a second tier type of currency. Those dudes uh, should have got into Bitcoin. Now you got into Bitcoin. You, you, you did it. I mean, you're not, uh, you're not too concerned about the krona going down because you, you valued your wealth in, in Bitcoin all, all, all along. So uh, yeah, that, you know, we, we, we do, we talk about Russia being very oil dependent. Now they don't really produce anything else though, but, but it, I mean, right here we're seeing that that Norway also it's uh, you don't want to be associated that much with oil uh, <laughs> uh, or with with one uh, with one product, and uh, that is definitely I'm I'm looking that is a not a pretty looking chart right there, man. That's uh, that that's not good at all. But okay, good. So ho hopefully some Norwegians. But as you said, Norwegians kind of all go with the flow. They stick with it. They 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 believe. In the, uh, it's funny, people make fun of Americans for like believing in the flag and uh, just being hardcore Americans. But it, it seems like uh, what you're trying to say is Norwegians don't really question authority very much. They don't question the system at all. I mean, what was your political yeah. party? What was the political party called that you were a member of? It was uh, Liberalisterna. They, they were a super small party. Yep. And uh, I was in the, the rally in 2017. And... I was out in, this, in the streets speaking about uh, what uh, freedom and individual, individualism can, can mean in terms of actually later revenue and, and wealth and prosperity. But they didn't want to listen, so they went the opposite direction. <laughs> they went, uh, the Norwegians went more to the, to the left, uh, to some extreme left parties also which are really socialistic and what you mentioned is that the uh, u.s sometimes uses uh, norway as an example of why socialism is good uh, it's not true uh, because norway is actually not socialistic it actually not it is uh, very market liberalistic we trade all the time with other countries and that's of course that's why we why we do it well according to my understanding 
and also the Norwegian constitution is based on the US constitution. And people seem to seem to forget a couple of things these these later years. <laughs> uh, and I have actually a, another thing to add, if I, if I may. Please. That um, if you put, uh, I did the calculation just for fun. If you put all Norwegians along the coast and put them at an equal distance, that equal distance would be five meters or more. So Norway has a huge coastline, giving a lot of oil resources, a lot of fishery resources, but it's so few, it's so little populated. So when you have that kind of wealth and you spread it among so few people, then you almost can't get it wrong. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't get it wrong until the oil price crashes. That's why, that's why I was asking that other question. <laughs> I mean, if the, oil good, price, if, if the oil price doesn't recover, some of these social programs, and, and they've let, uh, Norway has uh, paid uh, quite a bit for, uh, for immigrants to come there too, correct? That there is an immigration, it's, it's not like Sweden to that level, but there, uh, there, there has been some uh, immigration from third world countries there, correct? Yeah, you're right. It's uh, very similar to the, the Sweden way of uh, welcoming immigrants did not to that extreme i mean maybe the mindset is but it, i mean from what i could see it wasn't as many and you just i i don't know if the shooting. yeah okay you're right it's not as many but it's uh it's a good second place it, it's not as uh, it's not that few either but norway makes it through because of their their all oil fund and their huge resources so you won't notice the like uh, the the way the society goes down, you won't notice it in Norway so much. But if you go to, to Oslo in in some suburbs or, or what it's called, yeah. then then you will not believe that you are in Norway. Yeah, it's very important for the Americans to realize that in the European countries, the, the poor immigrants live in the suburbs. Because the in, in America, uh, the rich people live in the suburbs. But in like countries like France, there are these huge uh, immigrant suburbs. Um, and obviously you're describing, I mean, I, I didn't see any, uh, in Oslo, I didn't see any, because I was only in, this, in the center, really. Uh, I mean, I saw some immigrants and stuff, but like not uh, major uh, neighborhoods or anything like that, is they live in these, uh, they live further. Europe, Europe, Europe makes more sense that way. If you're poorer, you, you live further away. Uh, you don't. It's, it's the wealthy who enjoy the convenience of uh, living close to everything. And that's just, that's just a little comment on uh, the, way, the difference between Europe and, and America there. But uh, I, I always, uh, so who knows now with this, uh, if everyone remains paranoid about the virus from now on forever, which I hope they don't, then they're not gonna wanna live uh, in, in centralized crowded areas anymore. God forbid but though. But you, you are quite right. I mean, if you go to the main cities in Norway and live at particular places, it will look like Norway is, uh, there are only Norwegians. But uh, I had a, a Scottish couple <laughs> coming over to Norway, living in that specific suburb. And they, they called me and asked me, is this really Norway? <laughs> yeah. So it depends exactly where you go, right? You, you will not just like find out based on a like screening by walking around in Oslo. Yeah. But, but there's a big, big 
difference from just 10 years ago also in Oslo. I don't know if you, you noticed, but there are, uh, there used to be like 99% uh, Norwegians in, in Oslo. And now it's, it's, not, it's, no, it's not 99 <laughs> now. That, that, that was for sure. Well, it, again, it was not, and I, I, that was the only time I've ever been in Oslo. Uh, I, I'll say this, in Sweden, in Malmo, so Malmo is not as big of a city as Oslo. So uh, its center isn't as big. So its suburbs are closer to the center. Uh, in Malmo was on, and that was in 2015. In Malmo, I'm seeing Iraqis uh, all over the place. I, I was seeing all all sorts of refugee. I mean, it was it was quite 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 a sight. You 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 don't when you think of Sweden, you don't you don't think of what what I what I saw there in, in Malmo. I did enjoy my time in Malmo, though. I, I mean, I kind of tell you, I love it. Uh, Scandinavian. I love the fish that you guys eat. I, I love that stuff, man. Good, good but, fish. But again, you're right that Sweden has been more liberal, but Norway has also been quite liberal. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it's just uh, it is. It's it's funny what Americans know about certain countries. The the, the right wing Americans who do talk about immigration a lot. They all they'll always talk about Sweden. They'll never talk about Norway because they just don't know. They just don't they just don't know that it is a similar mentality, but just on a on a bit of a smaller scale. You're saying it's only a bit of a of of, of a smaller scale scale in Norway, which is uh Yeah at least uh, there are very big discussions and it's almost uh splitting up the nation a little bit in Norway as well based on how many uh, immigrants we have been taking taking in so there is a big debate in Norway I think maybe like if you look at Norway on the map it's a it's a ridge it's a ridge of uh, mountains we live very spread from each other so maybe it's just less noticeable if we fill up with uh, with immigrants than it is in Sweden uh, Sweden has much higher population than Norway as well I mean maybe the other thing is uh... And I'm no expert in this. I don't know if you know. Uh, I know that the, there were some crime issues in, in Sweden. It definitely made a difference in the crime rates. Uh, it did it not make as big of a difference in the crime rates in Norway? It has made a difference. And this is kind of a war between the alternative media and the mainstream media. Because the mainstream media says that the people from Syria, they were doctors, they were engineers, people that we really needed, uh, which was a direct lie uh, but still given i think it's connected to the media situation we have in norway where the media that are connected to the state are so so much more uh, wealthy or it's, it's so much more easy for them then most norwegians will think it too so it, the impression I, the impression i get of norwegians is that they're, they're very comfortable and, and and some of them want to compete but then the, a lot of them, it's easy to, to go left because they're like, ah, well, the government will take care of everything. We've got unlimited resources. We should welcome in new people. We're already living the high life. Let us share. Let us share. Let us take care of other people. Uh, and it, they, indeed, they might care about themselves a little bit, but they, they're altruistic. And eh, let's take care of, let's take it away. We, we have so much oil wealth. We're so comfortable. Let us, let us continue this. And they don't understand there's a limit. There's, a, there's only so far you can go. And that somebody has to fund it. It's not just the magical oil that's funding it. It is the taxing of the productive people. And it seems like there are a lot of people that are just, they're cool with just living off the government. 
Yes, work either working for the government or getting a government check. Yeah, that is what uh, annoyed me the most about Norway, to be honest, that uh, when you speak with a Norwegian, then he will be very friendly in the beginning. But if you try to criticize anything against the state, then, then you're kind of in trouble. <laughs> and that I didn't notice in the US, because I know in the US it's also polar, uh, polar, polarized <laughs> uh, between the, the kind of capitalists and the socialists, but still I, I could speak much more freely. It was nobody actually judging me, even even a hardcore socialist from California that I met, met there. She was eager to listen to my views. So that's a good start, right? And in the end, she actually said that she thought I had a beautiful mind, even if she disagreed completely. But in Norway, that, that, that has never happened to me. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you can't, you can't have political debate there. They're not down with the political debate anymore in, in Norway. That's, uh, it doesn't it's very hard when you speak to people to, to just try to just give the slightest hint that uh, maybe the expenditure is too, too high. Maybe the government shouldn't, um, put a lot of money into Poland, which is already rich or into, into China or to, to make golden toilets along the coast. Like maybe they take it a bit too far, but even that is is touching some kind of nerve that the Norwegian like nervous response will be to say that stop criticizing Norway. UN UN has said year after year that we are the best country in the world. So just just stop it. We we must be the best. Let's keep continuing down this path. So there is a social uh, the government does back people up. If you fail, the government will take care of you. So that does not really exist in Malaysia, does it? If you fail, you're out on the street, aren't you? Yeah, that, that doesn't exist. Uh, actually, it exists on a certain level, but a different level. <laughs> like, you need to work to succeed here, obviously, like in most countries. Um, so Norway has a big difference there because sometimes you can almost think that it, it's better to go on welfare because the welfare payment is so high that it really doesn't pay off to work, especially after you, you discount for the amount of time you use during a week. You, you are spending 40 hours a week for the rest of your life to be working. So how much is that worth? So if that difference between what you work, uh, work for actively, uh, if the difference between what you get by working and not working is too little, then it, it scares people like me away. Yes, yeah. the, the, the logical people that, are, that know that fitting in is overrated. Pound that like button. Okay, so we've covered uh, testosterone, America, <laughs> feminism. What, what, there were some other things you wanted to talk about, actually. So uh, take it away. Yeah, um, yeah. I have, have a positive, positive note about Norway as well. Um, that there must be a reason why a country does well. And it's not only because of the oil and, and fishery. Uh, in my head, it's about the trust between Norwegians, which is actually very easy to spot. Uh, if you work in Norway, you will see that the, the bosses trust you and they will give you the information you need. And if you take on a task, then you can expect to get paid like in, internally. Like, uh, my company is, is based on many different departments where you have to pay back and forth and you can expect that to be paid so you don't need to, to go that contractually uh, 
you spend a lot of time making a proper contract before you do any work. So that, that, that's on the good side of Norway. And that's one of the reasons I think Norway does uh, as well as it does. Um, I also had the, yeah, my main thing that I wanted to, to give out is for people that does like me, um, I would be really happy if I can teach people something. So let me try. Uh, the Cultural Dimensions is, is a website. It's made by a, a Dutch, uh, Dutch psychologist or something like that. In the end, it, it's so accurate. And I would like to talk a little bit about how accurate I found that site. Yes, please. And it will, it will be linked to below. Remember to send me that link again so I can, I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it beneath there so everyone can uh, see it. Yeah, sure I will. So that is something for, for everybody wanting to move out. Check that site first because then you know what you're moving to. Um, so on, on masculinity dimension, uh, it, it also defines it very well that masculinity is to strive for success, is to stand out, it's to, uh, to strive to be the winner. While the feminine is more the quality of life and that if you, if you stand out from the crowd, that's not admirable. And Norway then scores eight out of, out, out of 100, which confirms a lot of what we have already talked about. <laughs> so Norway is one of the most feminine countries in the world. It's actually the second most feminine after Sweden. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then you can watch this site and it even explains like what's the reason for these rankings and it fits, it fits really well. So Malaysia on the masculinity is, is 50%. Not really a huge difference, but I knew that I was going to a country that at least, at least more masculine than Norway. Um, then you can look in other parameters. Uh, for example, the power distance is a very interesting parameter because it, I think it tells something about how much differences are acceptable in a society. Uh, and in, in Norway, that the score is uh, 30, 31 out of 100, which is quite low. And in Malaysia, it's 100 out of 100. And by reading that up front, I knew what to expect. And it is so right. Like when I, when I come up to my apartment, uh, the guards are saying, hello, boss, hello, boss. And I actually seem happy with it. I don't feel like they are really jealous which is so awesome. Like they, they just accept that I am actually the one paying their salary. And even if they, they earn one tenth maybe or of uh, what I do, then, then they're just happy about calling me boss and they're smiling and, uh, and things like that. But it, and also in the workplace, you can see that uh, it's much more hierarchical that the boss is the boss. And maybe Malaysia takes it a bit too far, uh, but maybe Norway takes it a bit too far also in the other direction. Uh, like in Norway, it's not really regarded well upon if you, if you, if you, if you think that you are different from others, uh, even if you are. <laughs> so uh, a typical boss at uh, work in Norway will always call you into discussions about like what should we do and, and even high level strategy discussions that you don't really want to be involved in. Uh, then, then he will ask you, so you will not actually feel like he's your boss at all. 
Wow. That is, uh, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. It, it, it seems like there's a lack of, a lack of decisiveness there. Uh, in other words, uh, that uh, in, in your terms, uh, to be masculine, you got to be able to make a decision on your own sometimes, basically. And yes. So, so I think that the power distance dimension that I just discussed is very linked to the masculinity. Yeah. Oh, I haven't checked it. I'm not, I'm not that Dutch philosopher that made this site. But of course, it must be interlinked. So you, you're right that um, in Norway, you will see who is the boss and the decisions go much faster in other countries. And this is something I have read about in the media. Danish workers, even, even Denmark, which is not so different from Norway. They come to Norway and they think like, wow, it takes so slow to make a decision here. Pound that like button. Yeah, just drinking water here. It's just water, people. All right. Well, Morton, it's been it's been great to catch up on you and give everybody a different style of show here beyond Bitcoin bonus show. We've done this with the Bitcoin Rebbe before. Yeah, we do we do things. You never know what you're gonna get here, dudes. So pound that like button. Anything else you wanted to say? Any conclusionary thoughts? Anything? Yes, I would like to bring up another site also because yes. The one I mentioned is just one out of two that you should always check when moving from a country to another in my head because it just it just matches so well. It, it's incredible. So the other one is uh, Index of Economic Freedom. And the founder of this site, their base premise is that uh, we have less, uh, less people that are poor now than we did 50 years ago. And we have less, less people starving than we have 50 years ago. And this is because of the economic freedom because economic freedom just makes a, a society prosperous. So if you don't mind, then I'll just talk about a couple of points there that I noticed between Norway and, and Malaysia. Please. Uh, so Malaysia scores higher than Norway, four places higher than Norway, which you wouldn't necessarily expect because Malaysia is not Western country, right? <laughs> but still they score higher because Norway has this extreme government spending. They pay for like everything. It, it's so ingrained in the system. And this site kind of warns against the consequences of that. The equivalent tax burden, of course, is high. Uh, the labor market is not very, very free. And all of these points is just perfectly reflected on that site with, with the excellent explanation. Uh, and Malaysia has some, some downsides too that, uh, for example, on the, the government integrity, they don't score that high. And I read about it in Malaysian news as well, that they have a, a problem with corruption, which is not just a small problem. It, it's a big one. But even then, even then they score four places higher than Norway in the end, because Norway has so many, many flaws when it comes to <laughs> economic freedom. Yeah, I, I, I do like how you mentioned before uh, that that it seems like there is in, in so-called income inequality, but people aren't worried, in, at least in Malaysia, uh, at least the dudes you encountered, they're not worried that you're making 10 times the amount of money that they are. They're just happy they're making money, right? Yeah, and of course, I think that's reasonable because if they didn't have that work as guards at my my apartment complex they would work with uh, something that pays them less 
So I'm, I'm really happy to see that people are just respecting that people are different. Like they don't have engineering degree. Um, maybe they, they weren't that ambitious. Maybe they were, but just that acceptance of differences is, is really wonderful. It's really fantastic. It's one of the best things about moving. Well, I think that it's a cultural thing that people there appreciate just having a job uh, and, and being able to make money. And I think in certain Western countries, they, they take it for granted. Like, well, if I didn't have a job, I'll still make money because the government, the government will send me money. Uh, it, there seems to be more appreciation of having a job and, and knowing that, you know, you, you've moved up. You, you, it could be much worse. You know, being a doorman at a building, that's not bad. I mean, compare that to some, you know, working at a sewage facility or something like that. It's, it's horrifying. Uh, but but it, again, in, in the Western countries, they're so comfortable they can worry about income inequality and say, well, wait a second, it's unfair the CEO makes that much money. I mean, it's, it's envy. There doesn't seem to be envy there, is, I guess is what I'm, I'm, I'm boiling it down to also. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Like if the money for doing nothing is high enough, then I think you will develop some kind of jealousy, which was not supposed to be there in the first, first place. Yeah. So anything more about that site you were just discussing uh, that you wanted to add, the, the comparisons? No, those are the two sites that I, I just really recommend everybody in the same situation as me to, to check out. I mean, I guess the con conclusionary question is, um, it, uh, people that live in uh, other uh, Scandinavian countries, if they're not, uh, if they're not leftist, do you recommend they move out? Do you, like, do you have an age limit? Do you say, hey, well, you know, you're, you're, you're young. You, you really need to try it. If you're 25 and you're frustrated, get the heck out. But if you're 40, maybe it's too late. Or I mean, what, what, What's your take yeah. on it? Yeah, and that's an adventurous spectrum specter of it. It's uh, more to it than just uh, getting lower taxes. It's an experience and it will really fill your mind with, uh, with interesting stuff. Uh, one is reading about all the countries, but a totally other thing is actually being there and, and knowing that it's true. So, uh, oh, another important oh. thing. Did, did you visit Malaysia before you moved there? Yes, I, I visited there, but that was after saying yes to the job. So. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. But would you <laughs> would you advise others uh, try to? We well, see that we've got a problem with travel now. But let's say travel gets back to normal. Uh, would would you say it, uh, for the young people to at least uh, take a peek at first, or eh, or or do what you did? That's a good question. It depends a little bit how dissatisfied you are with your own country. Like if you're a leftist, as you said, then probably you should just stay in Norway, Sweden, Denmark. I mean, then, then that's your country of happiness. But if you're interested in exploring something else and you are actually, let's say, more competitive, then you, you could almost go anywhere. And Malaysia is one of the best ones because they don't have capital gains tax. It, it's really a big thing that they don't have that. Okay. Okay. So conclusion, you're, you're enjoying, you're enjoying your time in Malaysia quite a bit and uh, you, you'd recommend it to others with open minds that uh, aren't trying to fit in 
that don't need a government backstop, uh, who want to compete and, uh, and, and not complain. So very, very good, Morton. Yeah. I, uh, I, well, one real quick thing. In Norway, you knew other dudes that had Bitcoin. That, that I, I'm pretty sure of, uh, from what I recall. Do you know anyone in Malaysia? What's the Bitcoin scene like in Malaysia? It's uh, no scene at all, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I have looked for events, but uh, nothing. This, is, this and, is very interesting because it's, <laughs> there's personal responsibility there, but they, it, it's, Bitcoin is a Western thing, man, so far. It's, it's, it really is. It has not caught on uh, everywhere that it should catch on. I mean, it should be big in Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can start wondering if the, the taxes are so low here just because it has always been that way or whether there is a, a mindset behind it. And the latest also coronavirus <laughs> tells me that there is no like conscious mindset behind the lower, lower taxes, unfortunately, because they don't really respect the... Uh, individual freedom as much as as much as I hoped. <laughs> yeah. So when the going got tough, so, some uh, the authoritarians came out basically, uh, and yeah. that, that that was a little unexpected. But because the tradition has been low taxes for so long, it's low taxes now. So as long as it's low taxes and there's it is what it is for now, it's it's better than Norway. Norway. But I guess the sign. The warning sign is like, oh, wait a second. It, it could suddenly change. I mean, with this virus, you, you saw a whole side of it that you did not, that you, you did not know about beforehand. So. Yeah, and it doesn't really change the conclusion of whether or not to go out and see the world because <laughs> you should do that. Uh, you, you could even move back if you, if you want to. I mean, it's no, no one-time uh, life uh, decision. So... Uh, yeah, you still you still got your Norwegian passport. I mean, yeah, you, you could still uh, you could still get back there easily. God forbid if it really uh, became some totalitarian regime suddenly. You never know in these days and age. You never you never know. So, anyway, on that note, uh, strong hand. Keep keep hold of that Bitcoin definitely. Even if the Malaysians aren't uh, down with it for some reason. <laughs> and uh, Norwegian people keep on uh, keep on buying that Bitcoin and. Maybe try to, uh, you know, fitting in, is, fitting in is overrated. Get, get some political debate over there uh, sometimes. And if you're frustrated, as I've said to anyone on this planet, if the going ever gets tough and you have Bitcoin, you can always just leave with your Bitcoin and start off someplace else. It's, I mean, basically, that's what you've done. So you're, you're, you're living the, uh, the adventure right now, Martin. So good job. Thank you uh, for, for sharing your story here. And I hope everybody enjoyed this Beyond Bitcoin bonus show. Uh, I'm Adam Meister to Bitcoin Meister Disrupt Meister. You get a new show every day. You, you might get two this day. Who knows how many shows are going to be. But uh, see you later. Disruptmeister.com. And check out all the links below. Uh, Morton will give me some more links to share with you. And uh, again, thanks a lot, Morton. See you later. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye.